Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are guys that maybe you're, you're here and you haven't been here for a while or you're a guest here or whatnot or you've been praying for us and I know a group of you guys came on Friday and you uh, lifted us up in prayer and we're really grateful for that. Our sister church had like 20 people. We found out 20 people, 20 something people that showed up to their services at night to their church, our sister church and, and they were praying for all of us and, and that was very encouraging to hear that, hey, there's people that haven't forgotten us as we're away. It really is I'm very humbly. Um, but we wanted just to share a little bit of our hearts and, and what God spoke to us and what he did in Honduras. And I believe that a lot of what he did in Honduras was a work that he did in us when we come back. I actually, the day I preached over there on a Wednesday night, I, I shared um, to the church there. I said, you know, we come over here to be minister, to minister and to serve. But the reality, we leave Honduras minister to and serve the pond. And our lives are forever transformed because of that. So, so I, I definitely believe that our lives are changed always. Anytime you serve God in such a capacity, and um, I'll, I'll have Lewis share some things, and we're just gonna go back and forth. Just what God, um, some things that God just stuck out in His heart. I know in worship, God just did something in His. He shared with me. Hey, God just spoke something to my heart. So I'll just let Him share what happened, and then we'll go back and forth. Amen. So uh, last night I, I sort of was wrapping around my thoughts and, and thinking about what I was going to share today. And right now in worship, everything sort of just got... <laughs> it's funny how sometimes preachers say that that happens and it happened to me and now I'm like, okay, I know <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, but pretty much I could, I could come up here and I could talk about all the amazing things that God did through us in Honduras. Um, but God sort of was telling me to be a little bit more real and talk about what was going on internally in me. Because I could come up here and say, oh yeah, we did this, we did that, we prayed for so-and-so, and, and we could paint this picture of how God used us. But I think um, it would benefit you guys more to know what was going on internally in me. Um, going on a mission trip, or anytime you do something for the Lord, um, at least for me, I notice is when struggles most arise. And I notice that's when opposition comes at its hardest. And for me, it's always my mind where I'll feel like, I, I mean, honestly, I was on the mission trip and there was so many moments where, I, and I didn't even share with Rigo, I haven't shared with anybody yet, but just where things would happen within the group or there would be certain distractions that would present themselves or even just things in my own mind, feeling inadequate, feeling like, why am I here? I don't feel worthy of being used in this manner. And um, God sort of was just pressing on my heart three words. And those three words were, do it anyway. And um, I sort of just got to a place on the trip where my mind was just out of control with just doubt and insecurity and um, just different things going on in my head. And I sort of just had to get to every single place that I went to and say, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and I think that that's something that could be applied not just on a mission trip. That could be applied anywhere. Anytime you do something for the Lord, you might feel like you don't have a gift to offer at church. You might think you don't have a, a way to to serve the Lord in a capacity that somebody else might be serving. You might be comparing yourself to somebody else, which I found myself doing even on the trip. Um, and I think you just have to get to a place where even no matter how you feel, um, and there's a verse in Jeremiah that I wanted to share that um, 
the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? I think we just have to get to a place that we just have to disregard our feelings and just say, I'm going to do it no matter how I feel. And I think that's when God is the most glorified. So, I mean, that's, that's the biggest testimony I have on the trip was just getting to that place where I'm going to pray for somebody, even though I feel like I have nothing to offer them. Um, and just sort of discard my feelings and just go for it. <laughs> Which, when Regal shared the word on the trip, it sort of confirmed everything I was going through. And um, Yeah. <laughs> One of the cool things that happened in the trip, which became prophetic, you know, God, God speaks in such, a, in such a way, if you don't believe in, in the word of almost, I guess I could say it was a message that was given, but it almost became a word of prophecy. And um, if you never experienced it in such a manner, um, we got to experience that in, in a special way in Honduras, the word of prophecy. And, and what I mean by that is on, um, on Monday night, which was still the beginning of our trip, they had asked, they had a schedule, an itinerary already for the um, for the whole missions trip and and one of my I was supposed to sh have a night service with just our team and uh, just kind of share something to them and and whatever God puts in my heart well God did put something in my heart and it was a, a phrase as well and it was three words as well and it was go for it and I'm going to be preaching more on that next next Sunday I want you all to come and bring someone because I believe it's a it's a word that's really going to challenge um, our church and bless you personally and bless us as a whole as it was almost given to us at the tr in the trip prophetically. And it was cool because I didn't know the impact. It was, you know, you never really know. Sometimes you're like, oh, man, I hope this message lands good. <laughs> and then sometimes you know when you're going to preach, like, oh, man, this message is going to be good today. And, and sometimes it's just God working in you kind of thing. But, but when I shared that on that night, I didn't know what was going to happen, to be honest with you. I, I didn't think it was going to flop, and I didn't think it was going to be good. I was like, whatever, this is what God put in my heart kind of thing. And I shared it, and I, and I spoke about what, what it means to go for it. And uh, it was real cool because that almost became the anthem of the whole entire trip. Every little thing that we did, people were screaming to each other, go for it, go for it. Go. The whole entire trip was go and, for and it. And it's funny because in my mind, I had the word, those three words, do it anyway, yeah. already in my head. So then when he preached, go for it, it was already like a slap of confirmation. Yeah, so, so God's good. You know, he has a word. Um, for us always, in, I love that, right? In and out of season, because God does not function in seasons. Amen. All right. Um, I think one of the things that I saw that blessed me was the, not only the work that he was doing in me, because, you know, when you, when you take trips like this and you have to um, share gifts and talents and share time with 40 others, it could get frustrating and it could challenge you. And you might want to do something a little bit different. And you might feel what the Lord was trying to do was this. And, and you know, all that kind of stuff, especially when you're used to flowing um, with God and the things of God. And, and many times um, uh, I've learned that, you know, the Lord just saying, you have no authority here right now. You stay put and you stay quiet and, and you don't move until, until I tell you to move. And man, most of the trip, that's what I was. I, I, picking up, cleaning, whatever you need me to do, just... Um, I, I felt that God was telling me that. So, you know, that deals a lot with you and your own heart, and, and, and it really did minister to me. And uh, I got to see, and, and I was very humbled by one encounter, which I consider a massive miracle. I hope there's someone here that does not believe in miracles. I really do. And I know it's weird for me to say that, because what I want to do is I want to reveal to you that God is still a God of miracles by what the story I'm going to share with you. So I'm hoping that if there's someone here that does not believe in miracles, you will hear them, a miracle that took place in my life in the trip. 
and that you could say, oh, snap, God does still do, he does do miracles. I didn't even know there was pictures behind this. Um, one of the cool things that happened was, on, on, I don't know if it was the last day or the day before last, um, we, we, we ended up, I, w- I was already tired, and they opened it up um, to do some, some outreaches, and, and um, I remember it was like a two-hour, three-hour outreach, and I was going to do whatever my niece did because um, her father, Pastor Leo, had, to, had a meeting, so I said, Ali, whatever you want to do, we're going to do it. So if you want to do an outreach for three hours, or if you want to just stay here and relax, it, it, it's, uh, it's good with me. You just make up your, you know, you make the decision and whatever. And uh, I, she looks at me and she goes, I don't know what I should do. I said, well, think about it. And in my heart, I was like, I hope she stays because I'm so tired. I don't want to do one more outreach. And um, she goes, I think I'm going to stay. And I was like, okay, then we're staying. And in my, in my heart, I was like, yes. I get to just breathe a little. But later, I think it was that same day, later on or, 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 or right before that happened, I think this is why I felt that way because something so awesome happened right before that encounter happened. And I felt like I was so, fi- I was so full from, from an experience that I had. And I want to share with you. So we, it was me and uh, um, one of the other team members and then um, one of the Honduran um, um, leaders from the, from the church, uh, Honduran sisters, they, they took us through a very bad neighborhood, a neighborhood that we can't, as gringos, that's what they call us there, as gringos, we can't walk around because it's very dangerous. So, so they had to kind of walk with us and make sure that they could speak on our behalf, saying, oh, they're with us, all the Hondurans, they're safe, they're here to benefit you, not. So she went with us, and we visited four homes. And in every single home, I really couldn't talk. I had lost my voice, and um, I had no voice whatsoever. I was whispering everywhere. Um, my, my wife would call me, and I was like, no, she couldn't read my lips, so we were texting each other that night because I just couldn't talk. And um, so I had um, one of the sisters from our team, everywhere we went, we, I just asked her, can, can you speak? Just you pray over the, the sick kid, you pray over the family. And she just did all the prayers because I couldn't talk. I had no voice. And, um, and it was amazing, some of those things we saw in those four homes. A, a lot of tears and a lot of just, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Crazy stuff, uh, 15-year-old girl having a baby and, and looking at a child in the bed and saying, wait, this is your child. It was so confusing, uh, you know, but that's, that's how they live there. That's, that's how they do that. They have a lot of kids and they have, start very young and then kids are fatherless and motherless when they get older. It's just a mess. But we got to the last house and something amazing happened there. It was the house that we stayed in the most. Every house we just sat and we spoke to her. We got to know the, the family and pray over them. But on this last house, we stayed and we heard, and, and right off the bat, they just started to talk about what their issue was. Long story short, um, their son, who's 20 years old, just got arrested, and he was given, he was sent to maximum security prison, which was six hours away from where they're at. Mind you, these people don't have cars. They're very poor. And um, the government is doing everything that they can um, to, to not allow the family to see, or friends to see these prisoners. So it's been months now that they haven't heard from their son. And so they start to share with us. They gave him a 10-year sentencing, and he's 20 years old, and he has a, a, a I don't know how many months, two-month-year-old daughter or something like that, four-month-year-old daughter or something crazy like that was there. He's never seen her. He's never seen his daughter. I started crying because for me, I just looked at her, and I saw Jade and, and uh, my daughter, and I was just like, wow, to be a father and not see your child. Whatever, it was all of that happening. And this, they brought his sentence down to five years, but... The Honduran News released um, an article saying that they, re- they, they transferred 13 prisoners from one prison 
to this other maximum, maximum security prison. And one of those 13 were their son, was their son. And supposedly two out of those 13 prisoners um, got intoxicated. Intoxicated doesn't mean that they got drunk. Intoxicated is that something came upon them. They, they got severely sick or, or something happened to them. So they're starting to share this and they start to weep. And the father walks up to me and he zooms in on a picture from the news article and he shows me. And it's a young, it's a 20-year-old, a young man's body. And, um, and he's basically just laying there and they have something covered on his face and he's laying there just limp, like if he's almost dying. And the father starts to cry and he says, you see this? And he says, this is my son. They haven't released his name. I can't see his face, but a father knows his son's body. And I know this body. That's my son. He's weeping. What do I tell him, you know? Like, he doesn't know if his son's dead, if his son's dying, if his son has some disease. He doesn't know anything. All he saw was a picture, and he says, that's my son's body. You could tell that he was really skinny. He had caught something severe. So it was really touching, and we started... Uh, we just started to talk. I was very limited. I couldn't really share much. I was just hearing. And the tour, uh, the sister from Honduras that was with us, she said, okay, we got to go. They're waiting for us. We called them. First, she says, you have a choice. We could keep walking and visit some other homes, or I could call and pick up the, the car to come and get us. So I said, okay, okay. I never, I never said yes or no to any of them. I just said okay to her because I was so engaged with this family. And basically, we just ignored her. We kept ignoring this poor Honduras sister, you know. And we didn't do it on purpose. I feel like God wanted us to ignore her without us even noticing that we were ignoring her. And it got super late, so now we don't have time to visit all the homes. She says, okay, they're here. The, the car's here. They're waiting for us. We got to go. And, and as she's saying that, I'm like, I, we're still almost like ignoring her, but not on purpose. It's weird. And it's almost like God just didn't want us to go anywhere. He wanted us to stay at that house. So out of nowhere, something came in me upon me and I just start talking to this guy and as I start speaking to him about scripture and about the word of God my voice starts to come back exactly how I'm talking to you right now and not only does it come back if you know me my Spanish is horrific and I started to speak to him in Spanish words that I it, it was almost like acts when they began to speak in new tongues and everyone was outside saying how do they know our language I almost felt like that because I was speaking their language and I was flowing in Spanish and my voice came back strong and I was preaching the word to this guy and I was like, no, and as I'm preaching, he was tearing up and, and, and it was just, we're late to our car, which is what God wanted, and we're ministering to this guy and, and here is a man who's had a lot of hardships. He shared, I don't have, for the sake of time, I can't share everything he shared with us, but a lot, he's gone through a lot. He has six kids, one of them is in jail for 10 years, hopefully not five, and he's broken there as I'm preaching to him. And he recognizes as we ask him, Sabes que tú puedes recibir a Cristo ahora mismo en tu corazón. You could do this right now and you could receive him. And he could come into your life. And he says, I know I'm in desperate need of Jesus. I know that. So he says, so let's do it right now. And he says this. He, at this time, we were outside of his house alone with him. And his words were amazing. He said, fine, but I want to do it inside in front of my whole family. For some of you guys, you know exactly what that means. He wanted, he wanted his family to see the step he was taking. And um, we went inside and, and we brought him to the Lord and he was weeping. And, 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 and I, I started speaking into his life, you're called to lead your family now and you're called to pastor them. And, da -da -da, and we just went back and forth, tugged them into the church, I, all this good stuff. We started to make our, our way back to the church where we were all going to meet up again to, I think it was to eat or something, or to go back to the hotel. I don't remember. When I go back, 
my voice starts to kind of crack again and starts just to disappear again when I get back to the whole group. And I'm just floored because I'm like, that's a miracle. God gave me a voice to preach this man that brought forth his salvation and hopefully will transform his life and his family's life forever. For a moment, he gave me back my voice. I get back to the team and my voice is completely gone again. You can't explain that by no other way but that God put his hand on my throat and said, speak for a moment. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of, of John the Baptist's dad. Remember when he was blinded and he says, you're going to be blind now for the whole nine months that your wife is pregnant. And then when, when he's coming again, when he's born, your son, I'm going to cause you to see again. And then he was able to see and he was able to give glory to God. He was very humbled. Um, John the Baptist's uh, father. Well, well, that's kind of how I felt. God just put his hand on me, talk. And then when I got back to the team, he's like, you're done talking. Thanks for doing my will. And um, it was I was funny. It was that. funny because when I remember when I got back, I, t- I even told you he was telling me the story. I was like, I don't understand anything you're saying right yeah. now. I people would ask me, and I, and I would try to explain to you, and I was like, just forget it. No I was frustrated to try to talk to people. When I got back, Lou asked me, so what happened? I was like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, and I just walked away. I was like, I can't, I can't talk to anyone. It was very frustrating, but yet very humbling. I, I almost didn't want to even talk to anyone because it was just God did a miracle at that moment. And, and um, there's a picture on my, I think it's my. Oh no, I didn't put it. I put it on the story on the Instagram. But, but you get to see the, the guy. I have it on my phone. I'll show you who he is after. But it, it was a beautiful thing. So there, there were many things on the trip um, that we encountered, many people we encountered, many different things that we did to help out. So there was a medical team. There was a construction team. Um, there was an outreach team that went around the, the towns for prayer. Um, for me, it was interesting one of the days being on the medical team because that's something that's not my field at all. So just being available to do whatever they asked me for. It was sort of humbling for me because if I'm doing video or pictures or social media, that's in my comfort zone. But when I get asked to do things outside my comfort zone, that's where it's like, okay, God, you have to glorify yourself because I know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was pretty amazing. Um, I think one of the days that was pretty impactful, at least for me, was the the prison. When we visited the prison, um, it was just intense. (laughs) There'll be some pictures of the prison up there and it's I'm just talking about the worst of yeah. the worst criminals That's the that you could encounter. And it was amazing because, at least my experience doing missions, you would think a situation like that, you would have fear to walk in. Where All these people, really, they could kill us at any moment. <laughs> um, but at least for me, um, I mean, you're cautious, but I didn't have a great sense of fear over me, which only could be from the Lord, you know? To walk into a place like that and have no fear, really, it's, it has to be a miracle from God because, um, yeah. The, a lot of these men are, are either murderers, rapists, um, drug, drug traffickers, and um, there's one more. Murderers, drug traffickers, rapists, and um, like child molesters or whatnot. So, so these are hardcore um, men. Now, a lot of this group right here are men that have given themselves over to the Lord. And they, they're kind of like the church in the prison. Not sure how strong they are or not, but it's cool that they confessed that. What, what was amazing for me is that there was already a group within the prison that they were believers. Yeah. So what was awesome is that to see them worshiping and to see them all out for the Lord, and it's like they're prisoners, but they're free. You know what I mean? They're captives to bars, physical bars. Remember this guy's face. They have liberty in Christ. Remember his face after Luke's talking. I'm going to share something about that guy. Go ahead. So for me, that was just impactful to see. And, and this pastor, he shared it. He said, there's people in the United States who are more in bondage than you are and you're in a prison yeah. and that to me impacted me because I'm like it's true you know there's there's people who don't have the Lord who are more in prison than people who are actually in prison who do have the Lord yeah 
Yeah, that, that guy I told you to look at his face. He's an interesting, interesting guy. That guy. He's very interesting. Uh, I forgot his name, but we just call him Pastor. He, he's a pastor. Oh, Pastor Wilmer. And he, he ministers in the jail. He's, he, he, there's pastors in, there's two pastors that, that are in the prison, but he goes and he pastors often, so they know him. And he's real cool. Like, even when he started, before he started talking, he said, I need the pastors of the prison up here because they're the spiritual authority. He wouldn't start the service until the pastors in the prison came because he said that they're the spiritual authority of the prison. And he even prayed over them. Like, it's just weird, man. It's amazing. Well, well him, you can see his scar. And if you look closely, he has three drops in his eyes. And, and if you know anything about the gangster life and the, the, the life of Pandilla, you know what the three drops, teardrops stand for. But, and this guy had a scar on his face, not because he got cut shaving. He was a, a, a very known uh, gangster and thug in, in Honduras. And he served in the same exact prison for five years. But now he's been in, with the Lord for 18 years serving the Lord now. And it's amazing because there's some massive gangs. I don't even know if I should mention some. I don't know if it matters if I mention some on the podcast. But you have rival gangs like the MS-13 and the M-18s. And it's very big. M-18 is huge in Honduras. And, um, and basically he went in there and um, they re- we asked him, like, don't the gangs kind of like, uh, isn't there like, uh, don't they like whack you? Don't they kill you if you exit their gang? He's like, it's amazing. A lot of these pandillas, whether you're MS-13 or M18, these big gangs worldwide, he says, if you leave the gang to serve the Lord, they excuse you. But they tell you when you're out of the gang to go serve the Lord, you better be making sure that you serve the Lord. Because if you're going to mess around with the Lord, you're going to die anyways. Now, that's pretty powerful because these gangs, the only way that you're able to get out of a gang is if you go to serve the Lord with your life, if you serve Jesus with your life. They respect that. But you better make sure that you're not lying and that you serve the Lord when you get out because you're going to end, Jesus doesn't mess around. He's going to end up killing you anyways, they said. Now, that's a double meaning. That means God's name is not mocked. You're not going to get out of our gang to say you're a Christian and then you're not a Christian. You can't mock God. So God's going to take care of you. And number two, we better not find out because God's going to use us and we're going to take care of you. So it's a double meaning. You're going to get whacked or God's going to take care of you if we don't find out. So it's real cool to see the respect they have for God. That pastor was like, some of these pandilleros are, are more Christian than those in our church. <laughs> we thought it was funny that he said that. So, so this guy, this gangster guy goes up there and he starts screaming. I mean, you should have seen this. We're walking down a strip where I could take two steps, touch one wall, take a couple steps, I could touch the other wall. And, and it's pretty much like, I want to say cells, but I don't want you to think it's cells like here in, in America. It's... it's cells but yet they all sleep in there it's crazy that prison was known for 2014 i think it was or 12 uh it was known as Ekemao, and and it became international news one prisoner stood up in the middle of night 10 30 at night i think it was and he says today we all die and he burned his mattress and they all got trapped and 350 prisoners died here 350 it's, it's the it's the largest massacre in a prison so it made international news we went to that prison well, because of that, they killed some of the hardest thugs. They said that when you used to go and visit there, they used to put their hands on you, rob you, and even, and even stab visitors when they would go in there. That's how bad this, this, this prison was. Thank God they told me that story when we left. <laughs> but, um, but supposedly, that fire killed most of all, almost all those bad men. So the ones that are left, they're not good, trust me. But they're not into that as much. So the fire got rid of all those people. 
and now it's grown again. But I remember walking through and, and just being stared at. I mean, guys would just come out and just stare at us. And, and their stare is different than our stare. They have a stare where, where they just look into your soul. It's almost like, you know how a dog stares at you to see if, 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 if they're going to man up on you or if you're going to be over the dog and they want to see who's going to look away first? That's what they do. And trust me, we all looked away, we all looked away first. We, we look at them, we know that we're in their home, and we say, bendición to everyone, bendición. And I was saying bendición to everyone, and, and I was saying, just, be, just respect. And Leo was saying, Pastor Leo in front of me was saying, just smile. So we were just smiling and respecting every single gangster there. And I'll never forget, I'm walking, and I happened to look up, and on one of the cells, I looked up, one of the guys looked down at us. And when I saw him, I said, oh, my goodness, Leo, look up. And this guy had to have been on an, uh, an M18 or something. He was tatted up from the skull down to his body. He had tattoos all over him just like the MS-13s and the M-18s do. And I just looked at him. He just stared, I mean, pierced. And I just, <laughs> and I just kept walking. Because, you know, if you stare at them for a long time, they're like, are you challenging me? You know, and, but it was also very safe. It was, yeah, and, it was and, never. And the word was preached and people got saved and people got prayed for. And yeah. It was powerful. And, and he's walking through the prison. He's like, hombres, todos, todos los hombres. And he's screaming this. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's trying the man because he's a gangster. He's an old gangster, so he knows a lot of them. He goes, si eres hombre de <laughs> Los hombres que dicen que son hombres, vamos ahora mismo, bajan. We're going to have service under the, uh, abajo de la. He was basically saying, if you're a real man, you'll yeah. come to the service. If not, you're not a real man. And, was like, and he was screaming that. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> and he was telling all, oh, come on, men, come down here. But he had authority. And uh, I guess he had um, credibility as well. And uh, I guess I'll share this real quick story. One of the times I was standing up and there was seats and a bunch of the prisoners, I was, I was standing next to them and they were all sitting next to me and I had like another brother, uh, brothers from the, from the trip with us here and I'm standing and, and a man that we nicknamed him the butcher, he has an apron on so we think he's probably the cook of the prison and you know, and, but we think he's a high up, we think he's one of the bosses there. He just comes to where the service is, he walks in front of everyone and he stands right in the side where the guy's preaching and he just stares at him. And right off the bat, my eyes didn't get off him. I said, oh, no, this guy's going to call on something. He's going to do something here. And they, he, they made up a whole story for this guy. <laughs> just because of the way he looked. Yeah, we made up. We said he was a butcher. And he just kept staring at the man. And the guy kept preaching. He kept staring. And on one instance, he looked. He was staring at the guy preaching. Like, just you could tell his face. And he just looked at, at, at me and looked at everyone sitting down. And he did this. This is not even a, this is. He looked at everyone. And he pointed at all of them, all the prisoners. And he went like that to them. He told them. He didn't even talk. Just hand signals. He goes. He pointed and he said, move. Every single one of those guys moved. And I said, oh, this guy's, a, this guy's big. So I'm standing there. I'm looking at him. And I see everyone moving. And then I see he looks at me and he goes like that to me. He points to me and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at me and he tells me to sit. And, I, and me, I went, no, no, no. Do this. <laughs> he said, you sit. And he looked at me again. He goes, no. Do this. Do and, and it was almost like he was saying, we have guests here. Move out the way and let him sit down. So I sat down and I obeyed him. Uh, but you could tell that we were amongst people that had some sort of <laughs> authority and street authority and prison authority. And even, um, even if they're enemies of God, God still finds favor in his children. And we were given seats amongst prisoners, by prisoners. So it was pretty neat. There was some pretty crazy stories that, I mean, not necessarily I encountered on the trip, but just hearing everybody's stories, it was pretty, it's pretty amazing testimonies to hear. Like, I remember 
I don't know who was saying the story about there was a I guess when they went went to visit Teen Moms, right? There was a, a, a young lady who her own father she was she had a, a child by her own father. And it was just like very impactful stories that were just heartbreaking to hear. Yeah. Um so another story child, that I mean, her child's father sure, is but, the grandfather. Okay, yeah. That's crazy. Um and and there was another story of Pastor Leo that he went and he prayed for another missionary that happened to be there that wasn't with our group. And I don't know the story in too many details, but I think it's that she wasn't able to walk. She wasn't able to stand. Um, she had leukemia, I believe it was. Oh, yeah. And um, he went and he prayed for her. And the lady couldn't even get out of bed to open the door of the house. And it was amazing what God did after he prayed for her. Um, she, wasn't, she, she wasn't able to walk at all. But after they were praying, she's like, I, I feel like I could walk. And she was able to walk. She walked them out of the house. Yeah, we believe so that God, God healed her. Yeah, we believe God healed her because she wasn't able to walk. She was in so much pain. Everything's in pain. And when, when they prayed over her, and Pastor Leo prayed over her, she was like, I feel no more pain. And she goes, I'm going to walk you guys out. And they said, no, stay here. You know, we know that you're going through a lot. She goes, no, I feel no pain. So we're believing that God healed that missionary in Honduras yeah. from, can- from leukemia yeah. on that and, day. And she has an appointment, uh, follow-up for her leukemia um, next month. So we're going to so hear about we'll, it. We'll probably hear back of what happened in yeah. that. And then based on that story, a lot of people, I just heard rumblings of people just saying that, um, just talking about Pastor Leo and that God often uses him in healing and that he has a gift of healing. So it was interesting. One of the days I was in the square and we were praying for people and there was a, a young guy that he had pain in his back, his lower back. So I prayed for him that day and, and I was believing that God would, would heal his back. He, was, he said he had trouble working and stuff like that. So I came alongside him and I prayed for him. But a few days later, we saw him at the church, and he was at the service, and he went up to the altar call. So I saw him again, and I wanted to pray for him. And um, as I was praying for him in his back, uh, I thought of Pastor Leo, and I, I went and I grabbed him. And I said, look, there's this, this man that needs healing, and um, I want you to pray with me um, so we could pray for this, this man. And it was pretty awesome. Pastor Leo prayed, I prayed, and then Pastor Leo just walks away, and he whispers in my ear, and he's like, in a few minutes, ask him how his back feels. And I was like, okay. So a few minutes went by, and, and I go up to him, and I said, how is your back? And he says, I have no pain in my back. Right. And, and it, was, it was amazing because it was amazing because uh, Leo told me afterward, he's like, I walked away because I wanted you to experience that. I wanted you to have that faith. Um, and I was sharing a little bit with Rigo that, I wasn't too sure why I asked Leo for help. At first, I thought maybe it was a lack of faith on my part, like I was leaning on his faith. But um, I think that God sometimes, the greatest faith we could have is depending on another brother who we know is, has a certain gift. Or, um, so for me, that was sort of like my faith was, man, God has blessed Leo with this, this gift that people talk about. And I believed in that. You know, that was my faith. Um, so I, I, that's, I guess, why I reached out to Leo. And, and then afterward, I sort of got that whole experience for myself and saw that, that God did move and heal. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's good. Um, there's so many things to talk about. So take Lewis out to eat lunch today. And um, he's going to share um, everything with you guys. <laughs> yeah. So one last thing I, I wanted to just share really quick is, is a verse in Ecclesiastes that I shared with the missions team. And it blessed a lot of people, and it sort of still has to do with, it kind of ties back into what I was saying about do it it anyway. Um, And the verse says, it'll go up there, it's Ecclesiastes 11, 4 through 6. 
And it says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at the evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. So for me, those winds were like the anxieties and the doubts and the things that want to prevent you from doing God's work. And um, I just think it's, we can't focus on those things. And the word just tells us just to keep sowing and keep sowing. And if you, the more you sow, you're bound to reap something, you know. But if you're not sowing at all, I can guarantee you're not going to reap anything. Um, so I just want to leave you guys with that. And to be honest, seeing me up here right now is already a miracle because if you know me closely, you know that my biggest fear is public speaking. So that right there is do it anyway, you know. My biggest fear is public speaking, and I'm up here talking. So <laughs> thank you for letting me share. Go for it. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, man. There really is. You should see the condition of the microphone as he hands it to me. <laughs> yes, Lord. Is God good or what? I'm excited to be here with you. You know, it doesn't matter the size of churches I go visit and I go preach at. And it doesn't matter what I hear from other churches and what they're doing and other pastors. And when, when, especially when they give me an account of all their awesome numbers. You guys know pastors do that, right? <laughs> okay, just in case you guys didn't know that. How many numbers did you have today? Whoa, I had record breaking numbers. I'm like, I had record lows, but the presence of God was there. <laughs> oh, man, God is good. But I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't exchange this family for the world, man. Amen. We have a special family here. Me and Lou were talking about that. Yes. We have a special f- Yeah. You know, it's funny because as I was there, there was people in this church. I was like, they need to be here. They need to be here. They need to be here. And God's like, can you just stop thinking about them? And can I say one more yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> the preacher. Yeah, we're, we're things. I mean, Honduras is very ripe, and, and there's other areas that we've been praying for too. And uh, we'll see, we'll see where God takes us. But, but I want to talk about missions, <laughs> and I want to talk about mission trips, because this is what happens here, right? You know, we come and we do something like this, and we just share our stories. And I know our sister church, they're they're doing something really big because they have 39 of them, and um, it's a big celebration going on at the way, but. But I, I felt this in my heart as, as I was getting ready to come today to share this with you. And I guess it's probably the longest title of any message that I've ever preached. It's a short message, but it's a very long title. So my title makes up for the, short, the shortage of the message. And it's because I really, my message has two points. So I'm going to give you first the title of my message in a sense, and then I'll go into it. But, but here it is. It's create the experience and operate in your mission. Now, the reason why I couldn't come up with any other title is because that's my two points to my thoughts today towards you. It's to create the experience. Can you say that? And and then say this, and operate in my mission. So I started to think about the word mission, missions trip. I knew we were going to share about the missions trip. And, And what is the word mission? And what does that stand for? The word mission in mission trip, it means this, to carry out an important an important assignment. That's what mission is. It's to carry out something important, an assignment that is important. 
And that is what Jesus was telling his disciples in Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, he's basically telling his disciples, I'm sending you, please do not miss this, I am sending you on a lifelong missions trip. If you're taking notes, that is what you should write down. Jesus tells his followers, I'm sending you on a lifelong missions trip. <laughs> we know this today as the Great Commission. You know that one of our codes is we leave the nest. And we teach under that code the importance of the Great Commission. Let me read it to you just so you can see what I'm talking about. In Matthew 28, 16 through 20, I'm going to read 18 through 20. It says this. Jesus comes and he tells his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of age. Anyone heard that verse, that passage before? Okay, the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Say that, the Great Commission. Notice one of, the, one of the founding words that you're saying there, the Great Commission, mission. So, so I believe this. Please take a lot of notes today because I believe that God might be able to do something supernatural in you and he might want to rock your life today. He might, I don't know if I want to use the word rock, he might want to wreck your life today. So here it is. I believe that the life of a Christian, and I'll say it so, so we could write it down. I believe the life of a Christian is a life with a mission. It's a life on a mission. I believe that. A life of a Christian is a life with a mission and a life on a mission. I'll break that down for you. But I do believe this is the message that God wanted me to share today. So everyone here who calls themselves a son or daughter, if you call yourself a son or daughter of God, you are called to make disciples. There's no way that we could grab this passage and say, well, this is just for the disciples of the early days and not for me. We're called to make disciples by what? By teaching them and by obeying all the commands that he has first given us. We're called to make disciples by teaching and obeying. Say that. Teaching, obeying. By teaching and obeying what was first given to us. So we're on a mission, and I want the Lord to reveal this to us today. This is what I would hate because this is what happens. It happens with the Israel trip. It happens with our past mission trips, and it would even happen with this past mission trip. Don't wait for the next great planned experience. Don't wait for the next great planned experience to operate in your mission. So I love that Lou just made that announcement because I'm going to rebuttal it now and say, well, don't plan for that. Don't even think about that yet. Don't plan for the next great experience like a mission trip. Israel's in a couple months. Not a couple, but in a few months. Don't wait for that. Don't necessarily just plan for that great experience. I'm going to get somewhere with this. Live obedient now. Live obedient now and create the experience by operating in your mission each day. Amen. I think I said it the way God gave it to me. Okay? 
Live obedient now and create the experience. I even underlined that in my notes. Whoa. How do I create the experience? The answer is by operating in the mission that God's given you each day. Let me go deeper in this. There is someone lost. There is someone hurt. There is someone broken. There is someone possessed. There is someone depressed around you each day. Mark my words, and I just picked a few of them. Someone that you know, that you do life besides every single day is either lost, hurt, broken, possessed, or depressed. Mark my words. It's someone that you might live with, and it's someone that you might work with. It's someone that you might go have lunch after church with. Every single one of us each day make contact with people that are lost, hurt, broken, possessed, depressed, oppressed, and every other stressed that you can think of. And they're around us each day. And and these things which the Lord wants to free people from will begin to come to light and be exposed when we, the sons, when we, the daughters of God, begin to operate in a mission and with this mission. Those people's darkness, those people's illnesses, those people's struggles will be exposed when you operate in your sonship, in your call, in your mission. I know that for a fact because I've experienced it personally in weird places. It could be the gas station. It could be the mechanic shop. It could be Thanksgiving dinner. It could be, I'm going to give you a story right now, in an aisle called Christian Literature in Barnes & Noble. It could happen anywhere that God takes you. Because you don't serve God in church. That's just a little beautiful thing that God gives us on Sundays for two hours. We are full services found outside of here. That's why that's one of our beliefs here. We leave the nest. I want to talk about this because the Lord wants to free people and expose these things But who do you think he wants to expose it to? Trust me, he does not want to expose it to the psychiatrist that's going to get that person more drugged up than helped. Trust me, he doesn't want to expose that um, to the wacko who's in a cult that's going to get that person all messed up and brainwashed. Trust me. You guys see what I'm saying? The Lord wants to expose some of those people to sons and daughters that are truly going to lead them into the presence and transforming work of Jesus Christ. Who is that? It's you. It's me. It's us. It's us. It's simple. Everyone say simple. simple. Make disciples. How? By obeying. You should have written that already. God's word and by teaching God's word. What am I trying to tell you? Create the experience. Let me show you a story about how God is already dealing with me with all of this stuff before the trip even started. I don't know if he's going to listen to our podcast. And if he does, I, I thought about not saying his name because, you know, for the sake of confidentiality. But I said, no way, let him know that our church is going to pray for him. So I'm going to say his name anyways. I, I, the day before um, we left on the trip, I went to Barnes & Noble. And um, I was in an aisle and I was looking for something specific. And it happened to be in the Christian section or a Christian literature section, whatever. 
and uh, a young man, I mean my age, I guess, I don't know, a man younger than me, I guess, comes into my aisle and I guess he just felt in his heart to say, what are you looking for? So I kind of looked at him and I said, hey, uh, so I told him a little bit what I was looking for. I'm going on a mission trip tomorrow and I'm looking for some sort of literature like this, like this, and like that, so I could read it and um, whatever if I have some time. And, and we just start talking and he starts to share about his life. Talk to, I tell him about where we're going. I, he starts talking to me a little bit about him and, and we just start dialoguing, man, for a while. I mean, about, in Barnes & Noble, in that aisle, we just start talking about life. And it was so beautiful. I see that God's doing something in this kid's heart, in this guy's heart. And I'm asking him if he goes to a church. And he starts to tell me about his story and his family's story. And, and it's so amazing. And um, I look at him and I said, well, Alan I, know we, uh, Alan, I know we both have to go. So, so let me ask you a question. I know we're right here in this aisle in Barnes & Noble, but who cares, man? Is there something specifically you want me to pray for? And this young man looks at me and he just stares at me weird, right? I'm like, oh, my God, what did I just ask this guy? And he begins to water up and he starts to like almost cry in the middle of Barnes and Noble. And I'm just looking at him like, come on, Jesus, what's happening here? And he just says, yeah. He says, I never shared this with anyone. And I don't know why I'm going to share with you, but um, I need prayer. I suffer from mental illness. And it comes from my family and, and, I, and I want, uh, I guess I need prayer in that area. And I said, I looked around and said, well, let's have church. Can I pray for you right here? He said, yeah. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I stand with you before this young man. And I believe, Lord, that you could heal him right now from generational mental illness that is spoken over his life. I come against every mental chat. And, and, and he was just weeping. He gave me like three hugs before we left. I said, I'm going to call you. As soon as I landed the plane, I said, hey, I'm back, man. How are you feeling? You know? And um, I'm just saying that to tell you guys. There's people all around us every single day. But do you actually think in aisle four, someone's going to come up to you and say, hey, I'm in the process of getting a divorce and my life is in ruins, so I need you to pray for me? No. Do you actually think in the middle of a, of a place, someone's just going to come up to you and just start to expose? It happens rarely. But in the reality, it's, it's God calling us to be the sons and daughters of God that look for opportunities where we could create the experience and live our missions trip here in our own city. You're a Christian. That means you live life on a mission and you live your life with a mission. What does that mean for you now? Create the experience. There's someone that needs your conversation. There's someone that needs your touch because of the God that's in you. Can you say amen to that? You know, the Lord speaks this to the Israelites, and I'm going to share two passages that relate to each other, Old Testament and New Testament. And the Lord speaks this to the Israelites in Isaiah 58. He says this in verse 10. I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to go 11 and 12. Ready? He says in verse 10, he says, feed the hungry and help those that are in trouble. Look what he says next. Then your light will shine out from darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. It's amazing. It's amazing to, to see the outcome that is found in the one who is first operating in their mission. Let's read it again. Feed hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine from the darkness. Then the darkness around you will be bright. I, I, I'm a pastor, so I have to be very careful when I talk about the church. But I'm going to be very honest. We're the ones that, that screw up church. We're the ones that do church. We do the church thing very well when we get together, but my God, come and see us outside of church. We're not even there for each other. We're not even there for others. 
what a sad thing to be. What a sad place and sad thing to represent. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out of darkness and the darkness around you. It's amazing that the outcome that is found here is the one that is first operating in their mission. It is the one who is first creating the experience. Listen, listen. Feed and help. Feed and help. And then light will shine and darkness around you will become bright. God is saying operate. Create the experience. And then you will see the results. Let's not live a life that is full of faith defined by our culture. I'm a Christian according to our culture. Trust me, there's a lot of big churches and and, and churches that are doing that so well. We're defined by our culture. There's small churches, medium churches, large churches. and, And we're being, our life of faith is being defined by our culture. Listen to this. Our culture wants to see rapid results. Even, even our culture wants to see results before putting any effort first. But not us. We're called to operate and live with mission and believe that our Lord will bring forth fruit. And believe that our Lord will bring forth results. I don't know if Alan is going to get healed from mental illness. But I'll tell you what. I went for it. And if God heals him, I have nothing to lose. Shoot. He got healed. Because I stopped my moment in the middle of Barnes and & Noble. And God said, pray and lay hands on this man. That's cool with me. The worst thing that could happen is he walks away unhealed. The best thing that could happen is, bro, I don't know what you did. But since that day of Barnes & Noble, my life has been totally transformed. Create the experience. Operate in mission. Not us. Say not us. I'm called to live in operation. I'm, I'm called to live with mission. And even if I don't see results in my time, it's okay. God brings the results. God brings forth the fruit. Let's keep reading because I have so much I can say on that, but maybe I'll share it next week. We'll see. It says in verse 11 and 12, it says, The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry, restoring your strength. You're going to be like well-watered garden. You're going to be like an ever-flowing spring. Verse 12, some of you, love this, some of you will rebuild deserted ruins of your cities. And then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. I love this. Because even in the Old Testament, the Lord shows us that we need to be guided. That we have moments of dryness and weakness. But in all of this, he makes us like a well-watered garden. And like an ever-flowing spring. Thank God for that. Because I can't tell you how many times I go through that stuff, man. I can't tell you how many times I struggle. I come up here, trust me, man, I smile very well. But my God. Is God dealing in me? And I know that there's truth in your life. But in the midst of all that, he's going to make us a well-watered garden, ever-flowing spring, a life on mission, a life with mission. What a testimony. What a life to long to live in and live for. Verse 12. Let's go back to verse 12. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities, and then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls. And you will be known as a restorer of homes. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I would love to be known as a rebuilder of walls. Amen. I would love to be known as a restorer of homes. Amen. How many of you would love to be known as that? Yes. Amen. 
So then the next question is, then how? Easy. Operate in your mission and create the experience each day. It sounds very similar. I'm just going to fly through these words for a moment because I want to get to the last verse, verse 40. It's in Matthew 25. Jesus echoes the same as Isaiah 50, 58 because he is the word become flesh. And Jesus in Matthew 25, I'm going to read 34 all the way through 40. I'm just going to read right through it without stopping. I'll stop after 40. Ready? Look at Jesus' words. Tell me if it sounds like Isaiah's. You've heard this. I've preached this here. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Verse 37, then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, we... When did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? Look at verse 40 and the king will say, I tell you the truth. Here it is. I bold it. I underlined it in my notes. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and my sisters, you were doing it to me. What is Jesus? What is Jesus saying there? operating and creating the experience on a mission and with a mission when you did it when you did it to them you did it for me you did it to me that's powerful i i I thought about this verse it's not in my notes but i thought about it because it's a verse that we often speak about here what is what is true and genuine religion james 127 says this pure true genuine religion in the sight of god the father ready care for orphans and widows in their distress and refuse to let the world corrupt you. That's it. That's Christianity. Care for the lost, the broken, the depressed, the oppressed, the stressed. The care for the hurt. Take them in. And do not, in the process of living such a life, don't let the world corrupt you. I believe that the world has corrupted a lot of, and infiltrated a lot of the church. And what the church is. Not us. Not us. As long as I'm up here, not us. Not us. I'm going to ask, I guess, Danny to come up and, and we'll close up. But I love Proverbs 10.21 as I'm going to share a couple more passages with you. It says this, the lips of the righteous feed many. But fools die for lack of sense. NKJV says, but fools die for lack of wisdom. You know, the Lord tells the same thing to the children of Israel yet again in Hosea 4.6. The New King James in Hosea 4.6, the Lord says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. All I could tell you as pastor and as brother, all I could tell you is don't reject this. All I could stand up here after experiencing a missions trip is encourage you to create your own missions trip right here live in mission and create experiences so that you can see god be glorified i promise you your life will be forever rocked when you start serving other people you know there's so much i want to say but i want to control myself because i could very easily grab what god is trying to tell me and then be very carnal and stick my foot into my words and stick my foot in my mouth and and really say i should have never said that on a sunday matter but, but what I really want us to get here is, I believe God called me back to the mission strip to tell you guys, and as, as crazy as this might be, 
I mean, I care what God did in Honduras, but I'm not stuck on that. Like, that's it. I'm not going to make even a big deal about Honduras right now. I, I, trust me, I'm not trying to sound, sound offensive at all. They, they need a lot of help. There's a lot of need there. But I know God's called me back home. And I'm back home because there's a field here. There's a journey here to be taken. There's a trip here to be taken. You know, every single one of us, if you're a believer, you're on a trip anyways. The Bible says we're not of this world. We're not of this world. We're in this world. We're, not of we're, we're, we're just journeying. We're, we're, in, we're on a trip here on earth. And you just happen to be in Hialeah, in Kendall, in Miramar, in Tamarack, in Deerfield, in Delray. Wherever you're at, you're just traveling as a, as a, as a pilgrim. You're on a trip with a mission. So Honduras is in need, trust me. The brothers are there. We, we visited one of, our, one of our very own churches. I hope you know that. We have churches in Honduras. But what impact can we give them that God can give them personally in their own spiritual lives? Like, they got to connect with God. I believe there's so much more for this church. I believe there's so much more for each one of us. And I believe this, that we can't reject this, what we're talking about here. The, the lips of the righteous feed many. I don't know if, if you consider yourself as having lips of the righteous. If you, I, I send a podcast today to, to many people that I'm close with. If I miss one of you guys, come up to me. I'd love to send you the podcast that I send to everyone else. I, I didn't miss you on purpose. I, I just, on the way over here, I just started sending it to people. But I would like to send it to all of you because that's kind of, that podcast kind of deals with where my heart is at. I, I want to do church well. But who cares about doing church well when we're not a well church? I want you to experience presence at home. I know God wants that for you. Not come over here and experience it only here. This is just a fraction, a drip of what should really be happening in your life. People that want a position scare me. I think Tito shared that. Because what other position do you want other than being found daughter and son of God? And getting lost in that devotion. And there God, God grows and shows you the place. I just want to be this guy right here, man. I want to be the lips of the righteous because I want to feed many. Honduras is done. I don't know if I plan to go back in a year or two years or ever or maybe next week. I don't know. But I know for a fact that right now, as soon as I landed, my mission still continued. We have a knowledge and we have a wisdom that gives life to many that need it. Only the lips of the righteous feed many. There's a lot of sad people saying a lot of sad things and feeding people with some crooked, wrong, or just wrong information. But not us. We are the lips of the righteous. But people, they're destroyed for lack of sense, for lack of wisdom, for lack of knowledge. I hope we could all say this today and confess this today. Not me. 
not me. I will operate in a life with a mission and on a mission. And I will find moments to create the experience for God to be glorified. And in all of this, we believe that the Lord will bring forth the results he desires. I want to share a quote from John Piper, if you don't mind. I think he nails it on the head. Here it is. I'll read it with you. Check this out. He says, I am wired by nature to love the same toys that the world loves. I start to fit in. I start to love what others love. I start to call earth home. And before you know it, I'm calling luxuries needs and using my money just the way unbelievers do. I begin to forget the war. Isn't that awesome? Don't forget the war. You should look at someone next to you and tell them, don't forget the war. Don't forget the war. Come on, this world has made you forget about the war. How many of you just feel like crying right now? Don't forget the war. Don't forget the war. I don't think much about people perishing. You there? You're at a place where you don't care about people perishing? Missions and unreached people drop out of my mind. I stop dreaming about the triumphs of grace. I sink into a secular mindset that looks first to what man can do. Wow. Not what God can do. It is a terrible sickness. And I thank God for those who have forced me again and again toward a wartime mindset. I guess if I'm called to father this place and pastor this place, I guess I need to force myself to remind you again and again toward a wartime mindset. Wartime mindset. Don't forget about the war. Don't forget about the mission you're on. The mission trip continues. You are called to live a life of a missionary. Every single... We're not even missionaries. We went for a week, for goodness sakes. That's, we, we didn't give up our lives to go to Honduras. I've met some missionaries. I've left homes and sold all their goods. The lady that was with us, that a brother and sister from this church blessed incredibly... Because God says, whoever this money's for, give it to him. And God brought a need. She surrendered everything, let go of everything. And I've seen the fruit of her life. The fruit of her life is, she doesn't even have a car. <laughs> the fruit of her life is not even that she has a nice house because she doesn't have a house. The fruit of her life is nothing physically. But when I hung out with her for a whole week, you're going to be amazed by what I'm about to tell you. The fruit of her life was that I've never seen someone that is so just like Jesus, like her. Did, did that make any sense? Because I think I just massacred the English language. But, but she, the fruit of her life was that she was just like Jesus. She was operating in the love of Christ. It wasn't the car and it wasn't the house. And we were able to bless her with finances and say, hey, God made this available to you. And she's going to go back home to a home that she doesn't have. To a place where she's there, she doesn't even want to be there. She's just, God, whatever you want me to do. And I recognize that the greatest 
blessing in your life. Like Piper says, it's, it's not the, to think and believe in the things that the world causes us to think and believe in just like them and have just like them in secular mindset. But I think the greatest blessing that I could have in my life is that when someone walks life with me that I could be like Jesus to them. That's the fruit we should all want in our lives. You're on a missions trip. So we'll walk out these doors today, put on your missions clothes on, and go to work. Create the experience. Operate in the mission. Operate with the mission that has been given to you. We're all missionaries. Why do you think Jesus says to every single one of us, pick up your cross and follow me? Get rid of everything. Missionaries surrender all things and pick up all of Christ. You're all missionaries. If you're in Christ, you're all missionaries. Create the experience and operate in your mission. How many of you can say amen? Next week, basically what I'm telling you is go for it. Go out these doors and go for it. Go for it, go for it. So next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a whole message titled Go For It based on what I just shared today. And I'm just going to continue it. It's almost the second-hand notes of all this. And I'm going to tell you to go for it. And I'm going to say go for it probably like 10,000 times next Sunday until you get it in your mind to go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Create the experience. Operate in your mission. Go for it. What a weird Sunday. I don't even know how to close up the service. I, I almost feel like I don't want to be any kind of traditional. I almost want to we close up the service. Let's sing one more last worship song. Lord, what do you want us to do, Lord? Hallelujah. Just start to pray there where you're at. people to go deeper Lord you're calling us to go deeper Lord you're calling us to create the experience Lord you're, you're calling us to live on mission you're calling us to live with mission my God I could I could fuss and complain and, and get involved in such stupid conversations that this world gets into Lord or I could rise above it and and have a spiritual mindset and have a wartime mindset. Wartime mindset, Lord. So many people talking foolishness, living in foolishness, and, and here we are to impact, and here we are to, to be bright. But we have secular mindsets while claiming to be of Christ, Lord, I pray that we would have that wartime mindset, Lord. Let us not get into arguments that are worthless, discussions that are worthless. 
such a bigger picture, Lord. Remove pride. Humble us. Lord, I, I know you're reaching someone in this place today. I know you're tugging at their heart. Is there anyone here that needs prayer? Just, you know, you just can't leave here without receiving prayer. I don't even know for what. But you want the body just to pray for you. You could come up. We'll pray for you today. Maybe you want to reconcile. Maybe you want to restore things in your life. Maybe you just need healing. Maybe, I don't know. When you come up here, you could just tell us what it is. But we'll pray for you. If you need prayer, we'll, we'll pray for you. I'm going to ask those that feel led to pray. And you feel like you're called to war time. Start going up to people that maybe come up and say, I'm going to pray for you. What, what specifically do you want me to pray for? I want the church to pray for you guys. So the altar's open. Is Do you need a specific prayer? Come up and the church is going to pray for you. Those that are on mission are going to pray for you. I want the church to create the experience. Even right now at church, pray for someone. Get around someone. Ask for God to do a miracle in them. Ask God to restore something. Feel led. Feel led today too. To operate in mission right now. Lord, we're not having church service now, Lord. We just want to do life right now. However long you want this to go, we just want to do life. We just want to minister and just care for each other, love each other, Lord. Holy Spirit, come down. Holy Spirit, fill. Do a miracle. Signs, do wonders. Do miracles here, Lord. Right there where you're sitting, standing, kneeling, just begin to pray, begin to worship. Get into the, get into the presence of God. Don't, don't limit today. Just, just get lost right there where you're at. Hallelujah.